Hello, welcome to Where Work Meets Life, and I'm very excited to bring you part two of Extraordinary Cultures, the evolution from inclusion to belonging with Lauren Rubis. Hello, Lauren, and welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be back, Laura. Yeah, I'm looking forward to part two. Wonderful. So we talked about belonging. We talked about inclusion versus belonging, about Belongify, which you co-founded to really help cultures focus on belonging, which is part of being an extraordinary culture. And what I want is to kind of take a a step up and look at the bigger picture here around the last two years has been a difficult time for many with the pandemic. But how do you feel, Lauren, that the pandemic has been a chance, an opportunity to evolve our work and lives? Well, you know, one of the most um, incredible social experience experiments that uh, certainly I've had witness to is that in a matter of a month, uh, a good chunk of the world went from uh, working uh, on site to working remotely. A good, a massive amount of people did. And when when that evolved, I think it exposed both positively and negatively um, some huge opportunities. And I think one of the um, one of the considerations that has evolved is that we cannot take connection or belonging for granted just because humans are in a same, in the same place. Uh, because we show up somewhere and are there doesn't mean that we've connected. It doesn't mean that we're engaged. It doesn't necessarily mean many things that I think we made an assumption on. And I think that has been a huge benefit to allow us to reconsider um, this notion of connecting and staying connected as human beings when the vehicle isn't there just to automatically, you know, be the the basis for it to happen, or we assume that it is. And I think that that the implications that are massive, and we're still learning around how to navigate it. Right. So you bring up a really good point. When people are working remotely from one another, how has that impacted a sense of of belonging? And can people feel like they truly belong to a group where they've never been face to face? You know, um, the one thing that was odd for me um, as a reference point that I never I never fully extrapolated on, but I ran a. sales organization that was all telephony based for a while. And um, we had about, in one organization, we had about 400 salespeople. In another organization, we had 70, 80, and they were all telephone based uh, relationships. Many of those people never even had a chance to see each other. And and yet people were, over years, had been had known each other and got to know each other and really built relationships, and that was all by phone. And so when you stand back and think about, wait a minute, people are are sending each other birthday cards and they're getting invited to each other's weddings or they built a relationship they've got. Now, so just imagine now then when you've got a platform where like you and I right now, Laura, we can see each other. I mean, this is a more recent phenomenon. And, you know, I mean, 
people went from nowhere to learning how to use Zoom in a matter of weeks. And of course, team evolves and all that. But I think what it made us start to begin to think about is that how do we connect and get to know each other and build a relationship when we've got a platform and but we don't we're not there with each other we're not side by side we're not in a meeting room and yet you know maybe we're more connected in some ways if we use these platforms well than we ever might be so i think it's appropriately turn the conversation upside down around what it means to connect what it means to belong what's involved in it and we can't assume that just being physically present automatically is the vehicle to belonging and contributing and connecting, nor can we assume that you can't do it over a platform. Uh, so, and, and, and we have to be careful that we understand, you know, we understand how to navigate within both of those environments, but we have to challenge our assumptions uh, in either case. And I think that's enormously helpful. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Things have really been <laughs> turned upside down is a good word for it, but it's it's a real chance to look at connecting in other ways and bringing people together who would have not worked together otherwise. You know, exactly. And then oftentimes, you know, when if 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 you've got your Zoom platform on or whatever platform you're using and the and the camera's on and someone's talking and every and you can tell right there much more visually you know, assuming you've got a manageable group of 10 people, you don't have 40 people on your pain. You can see if people are engaged or connecting. Oftentimes in a meeting room, even that it's a little bit, you can, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's even less obvious. But on the other hand too, of course, you don't, you know, you're not, you're only seeing part of the, part of the whole experience. And yes, it's, it's got, it, it's the combinations that I think we'll learn how to do, use better and navigate more effectively that I think will bring uh, added richness to uh, people thriving. I couldn't agree more. So on this uh, podcast, we talk about work-life wellness as opposed to work-life balance. So the, the idea of being well in your work and well in your life, and you're someone I really admire, Lauren, as, as someone who seems genuinely positive and looking at the best in people and making the best of your work and life. But I'm going to ask you the question of what work-life wellness means to you personally. Yeah, thank you so much. I, um, I use a term uh, called uh, personal equity. And um, I really believe that in this integrated balance world, uh, that we have. And I love the fact that you're using and thinking about in an integrated way. Um, balance adds a whole different, different uh, additional uh, issue of trickiness to it. But this idea that we can be mindful and try to integrate, I think, um, I think we need to look at it more completely. Are we growing spiritually? Are we growing emotionally? Are we staying well physically? Are we staying well mentally? Are we advancing um, experientially? And I think, and of course, we need to ideally thrive financially as well. And I think when you take that integrated dimensions and you say, what's my game plan? 
what what's my game plan to move forward i'm not going to be perfect i just want to small steps and to think big uh, start small act now kind of move forward in all those areas and i'm not going to do it perfectly i mean there are times that i'm sure you felt like this when i was on the road i was in japan i was in southeast asia my kids i didn't see them for two or three weeks and i missed you know volleyball games or or i wasn't there for when I should have been there for a bedtime story. And there were other times when, you know, I took the whole summer off and, you know, and everything in between. And, and um, it's always a true, uh, like you, in that context, it's balancing, it's integrating and balancing as best as you can. But if you get out of, if you get out of sequence in any one of those and you're too overweighted, I think you're gonna topple over and fall down. And it's risky, right? Your body tries to tell you something like you need a rest, you need to manage your energy. And I've always pushed pushed that one to the extreme where I'm going, I can just do that extra couple hours. And, you know, that's not always been wise. And, um, and, and I think we have to, we really have to continue to be more self-aware and, and, and to, but to put all that on the table, not to just go with the flow and isolate and allow it to just happen. We have to be intentional about each one of those area in an integrated way. So what has been your greatest challenge, Lauren, when it comes to your own work-life wellness and how have you overcome that challenge or tried to deal with it? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, it's one of those things where um, my, my work and my and my life be, have become so blended in that my work is my hobby and my hobby is my work you know and i and it's for some people that that doesn't seem like it makes sense but for me like when i want to read some fun i read something on culture or belonging or if i want to if i my heart rate actually drops about 10 beats when i'm writing and when i'm in flow so my apple watch and so I have to be careful that uh, that's not my go-to place, and that I, I, and I, so I probably have neglected um, deep, deep friendship, like you know, more deep friendship. I mean, I've got really close friends, but um, I think I could have been better there. And there are lots of times when, um, you know, I think I've kind of lost my way a little bit, and but I know this that. Um, that typically my body will tell me when I've overplayed it. And I've had some, you know, even even more recently, I've had a few wake up calls where I've gone, you know what? I think you're, you're not, you're not putting the mix together the right kind of way. And it's a never ending battle around doing it. I always think I could be much better husband and father and grandfather. And, and I, you know, I always think there's so much more to do there. And I try to put them in my radar screen every day, all of them. That's hard. And that takes a lot of uh, insight to admit that and to say that out loud. And I think it's, it's, it's really good for all of us to hear because I think we all slip into working too much, not taking care of our physical health, emotional health, or spiritual health. Um, and I think there's never a more important time to start that than today. Yeah, you know, the lesson that I've learned that I still have to struggle again is that when I make poor decisions about it, 
is because my ego's driving me. You know, and I and I'm listening to that little ego sitting on my shoulder chirping away at me saying, you know, you haven't done enough. Uh, it's not good enough. Um, you know, why, you know, and, or it's, I'm inadvertently maybe seeking recognition that I frankly, you know, I'm doing things for the wrong reasons. And that's when I get lost. Okay. No, thank you for sharing that. And how do you get, how do you find yourself again? Are there any other, um, I don't know, strategies, books that have really helped you, podcasts, things that you want to share with the viewers? You know, viewers? I read all the time, you know, and I, you know, and I, and, um, you know, I, I've got influenced by, there are these historical kind of uh, books and moments that have had an influence in me, you know, on a professional level, it goes back for as long as, um, you know, Tom Waters and our, or Bob Waters and Tom Peters wrote in search of excellence. I mean, that's decades ago from your current audience. And then of course, Jim Collins and the good, the great work and the work that's built off that there's a whole Peter Senge and the fifth discipline There's a whole body of work that, have, uh, demarcation, my sort of books that have been huge reference point on a personal level. It's everything from, you know, more contemporary philosophers like Eckhart Tolle to more contemporary researchers like Brene Brown. All those people have um, influenced me in some way, in a humbling way that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, that I end, I don't, I don't think I create many new things, but I think I take Lego blocks and I like to put them together and make something out of it that, but, Anything I've done that's creative, the genesis belongs to somebody else. I just cobble it together maybe a little bit differently. Well, you also innovate and put it into a form that helps leaders and helps organizations put it into practice. I hope so. I hope it, yeah, I hope I, I hope that looking back on a body of work for as long as it may last, that people may feel that there was some value that came out of that 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 was that was helpful absolutely and i remember reading your character triangle and that really resonated you have an ability to put complex concepts into real practical examples and and really sharing from your own life right you're married to your prom date still how many people can say that first of all <laughs> yeah she's yeah she's such a wonderful person and and um uh, yeah, she was the smartest uh, kid in high school. So that, that I, I thought if I could go out with the smartest kid in high school, that maybe I could get dragged along. And so she's look, she's she's been three times smarter than me all my life, and continues to inspire me that way. So, oh, that's just so heartwarming to hear, Lauren. So, what would you do if you didn't need to sleep and you could use that time to do whatever else you wanted? I think that the, I would like to be more generous, like, and more abundant around being available uh, to those people I deeply love around me more completely and to know how to make myself more accessible in a way that was uh, genuinely helpful to them. Not to, not, you know, not to be there as some, um, you know, 
I don't expect it to be out there trying to fix things, but if I could be there, if I could just be more, if I could more deeply understand uh, what, you know, the full nature of love, and I mean that in the most, in, I think it's such an important word, and, and if I could just be more aware around how to accelerate so that I could contribute to the development of my, you know, the people that I love, my, my, my wife and my children and my grandchildren and all the people around me more completely, I think I would, um, I think I'd be doing more important work. And um, so I, you know, hopefully that's still in front of me that I've still got, I've got lots more room. I'm early days around trying to understand how to be a better sharer and teacher and be more generous. So. Well, <clears throat> I think you're well on the way. I mean, just speaking that out loud is, is so important and powerful and they're lucky to have you in their lives. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the feelings very, very mutual. And so, you know, I think, you know, one question you asked me, I was thinking about it to think about was that when I look back at my journey from uh, the thing I'm most proud of is the relationships and the deepened uh, investment that I've been able to connect with people along the way. Like, I don't see a lot of people, um, you know, and, but I, I think at every place that I've been at, um, that I could call and pick up a conversation with someone of what we were part of. And that even for those moments of times when sometime when they were even hard, that we connect around something that we were part of that made it better. And I love that I've got that repertoire. And in some ways, I think I overcompensate and I relish all that experiences and where I, I maybe, I, I maybe put that to work more as something that I've been blessed with as a way to fill a void of some other things. Cause I, those people are all in my life. Every one of them, those thousands of people just define, um, you know, who I am and what I'm part of. And I am, that is like, wow, to have that in my life, that is amazing. Whether this, I can still see those kids stand in their chairs in St. Nicholas. I can, so, you know, see the people that, you know, that I worked with closely at the LA Kings hockey, every place I see them. Uh, and I, they were a huge part of my life. And that's true connection, right? And true consciousness, um, being really conscious that we're all interconnected and we have a challenging world, but with people like you paving the way on important topics like wonderful cultures and belonging, um, I'm just really happy to have you paving this way, Lauren. So my final question is if you could have one wish for a better world when it comes to work and life, what would it be? If we all felt like we were seen and we could see, like the Sawabono, the, the, the Zulu tribe has this wonderful greeting. When they show up, Laura, they say, 
Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm here to be seen. And you say to me, Lauren, I see you. And then you you reverse it. You say, Laura, I'm Laura. I'm uh, Lauren. I'm Laura, and I'm here to be seen. I go, Laura, I see you. And of course, to do justice to the Zulu greeting, it's very it's intended to be a much deeper. It's not a superficial thing. It's a saying, we we're we are all in with each other. And I think that's what everybody generally, unless we're we've lost our way and maybe we're struggling mentally or something. But I generally, we want to love, we want to belong, we want to be seen, and in the best way, in the best way. And if I could wish that, oh, the strides we would make. Thank you. What a great note to end on. It's just been wonderful talking to you, getting to know you a bit better, and having you share such important wisdom and insights with the listeners. So just delighted that you could join me for these two episodes, Lauren. Thanks a lot, Laura. That's great. I loved it. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Thanks for being such a great listener. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. So everybody stay well. And if you found these episodes useful, please share them with others and sign up for the newsletter. Every month I share resources and tips and articles. Um, I'm with you at drlaura.live. You can sign up and again, stay well and keep in touch. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded. Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.